Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. And we're going to begin reading with verse number 9. Romans chapter number 12 began reading with verse number 9. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says this. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty... Give them something to drink. And FYI, that does not include poison. (laughs) If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Father, I thank you today for the incredible word of God. Father, I thank you for, Lord, the incredibly practical parts of your word. Lord, it's just black and white. It's just there. It's it's, it's good admonition. It's, It's helpful to our everyday lives. God, I pray today that you will help us today. I pray that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger today and give us ears to hear the word today. Father, may we receive your word today. God, may we make application of your word today. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You can be reseated this morning. Well, today we will continue our series I'm calling Roaming Through Romans. We understand that to roam means to stroll through a large area. Now, the book of Romans is an incredible book, and it contains some awesome teaching. Paul starts out in Romans with some pretty heavy doctrine and deals with heavy doctrinal issues, but then he shifts gears and becomes extremely practical. And we're at that practical part of Romans right now. 
And today we are stopping by and we are spending some time in chapter 12 and in verses 9 through 21. Now, in our scripture for today, Paul admonishes us to do four things. And the first thing that Paul admonishes us to do is he admonishes us to be genuine. Be genuine. In verse 9, he writes, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. What is he telling us there? He's telling us to be genuine. And in verse number 10, he says, love each other with genuine Affection. Now, there are two areas, I believe, that we need to be genuine in. And the first one is in how you love. Be genuine in how you love. Verse 9 in the New American Standard Version of the Bible says it like this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Have you ever met someone who was one way to your face and another way behind your back? You know, I've had people to say to me, Pastor, I'm behind you. And I was tempted to say, I know you are. Would you please kindly remove the knife? (laughs) Have you ever had anybody to say one thing when you're present and just the opposite when they're with their friends and, and you're not there? Paul writes, be genuine in how you love. Don't be a hypocrite. In verse number 9 in the New International Version, it says, love must be sincere. And Paul, uh, Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, he says, love must come from a pure heart. Love must come from a pure heart. So according unto this scripture, people who do not practice genuine love have a heart issue. You see, the truth of the matter is all of our actions are just an outward response to what's on the inside, what's in our heart. Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. Jesus said a good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. And he said an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of Of an evil heart. So what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying that what you say flows from what's in your heart. That whatever is really genuinely in your heart is eventually going to come out in the words that you say. See, I can discover what's in your heart. I don't have to be a prophet. I don't have to perceive it. All I have to do is spend a lot of time around you. And what you are constantly talking about, that gives me a clue as to what is on the inside of your heart. And so if you are constantly speaking uh, bitter words, then that tells me that there is bitterness in your heart. Because whatever is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. That's what Jesus said. And when you see what people do and watch their actions, their actions just prove and reveal and show to you and tell you what is on the inside of them. Because whatever is on the inside of a person is going to eventually come out in their mouth and is going to come out in the way that they act and the things that they do or don't do. Not only should you be genuine in how you love, but also in how you live. 
Verse 9 again. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. And Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. He says, be careful how you live. And in verse 17 of Ephesians 5, he writes, he says, don't act thoughtlessly. Or don't act without forethought. And here's the reason. And the reason is because everything we say and everything we do affects other people. I wish we could really get hold of that. I wish we could really understand. Oh, I just need to get something off of my chest. Well, then go pay a counselor. Get it off your chest. You can even come to my office. I won't charge you. You can get it off your chest. But you need to understand, just because you've got to get something off your chest, but when you get it off your chest, then, then, then if, if it's poison you're spewing out, you're spewing that poison out on everybody else. And what you're doing is, the issue that you have now becomes somebody else's issue. And the offense that you have now becomes somebody else's offense. Everything we say and do affects other people. When people hear and say, when, he, when people hear us say one thing and do another, it has a negative effect on them. And especially on sinners and baby Christians. And this is why we need to be very, very careful what we say. Very, very careful what we put on Facebook. Very, very careful what we do about because not everybody's on our level. There are baby Christians out there. And what we are saying affects them. And there are sinners out there. And they see the church. And they see the church fussing over little silly, ridiculous issues. And they say, man, why in the world do I want to join a church? Why would I ever want to come into the church? Why would I ever want to be a Christian? I've got enough battles of my own. Jesus said, if you offend one of my little ones, he said it better than a millstone hung around your neck and you were cast into the sea. Little ones, not just little tots. Little ones in the faith. Amen? Paul writes, be genuine in the way you live. Be the real deal. Walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. And then notice the next thing that Paul admonishes us to do here. He admonishes us, be generous. Be generous. And he first encourages us to be generous... With our stuff. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, Paul says, be ready to help them. And always be eager to practice hospitality. So we need to be, learn to be generous with our stuff. I need a $50 bill. I need 50 bucks. Is there anybody here this morning that is willing to give me a $50 bill this morning. I'm going to tell you before, you before you raise your hand or whatever, I'm not giving it back. And I mean it. I need $50. I need a $50 bill right now. Is there anybody willing to give me a $50? A $50 you're not going to get it back. Well, evidently I'm paying this youth pastor too much money if he's got $50. And a $50 bill... Thank you, Chris. Come on. You're generous, man. 
I've done this before for some of you know what I'm doing, but most of you don't because most of you are here, you don't remember, but, or you weren't here. Half of you weren't here, but. Do you know why Chris was so willing to give me $50? Because I, fa- I gave the $50 bill to him before church. It's not his $50 bill, it's mine. And I gave him the $50 bill before church. And so it was really my $50 bill all along. He was just returning to me what was already mine. Do you know why people refuse to be generous with their their stuff? Because they fail to realize that their stuff isn't really their stuff at all. The stuff they have has been loaned to them by the Lord. The Bible says that we are stewards of God's property. A steward is a manager of somebody else's property. And so when God tells us to share our stuff, whether that be money, whether that be possessions, He is simply saying, hey, hey, take some of my stuff. My stuff. Take some of my stuff that I gave you to manage and share it with somebody in need. Now, I need to stop here for just a moment and clarify. I'm not talking about sharing with people who have an entitlement mentality. I could move from anointing to annoying really quick on that one. Not talking about giving to people that have an entitlement mentality. Not talking, about, not talking about sharing with people that are too lazy to work. Paul says that if a person is, is unwilling to work, then they should not be allowed to eat. Oh, I wish the Apostle Paul was alive and willing to run for president. I could put him in the White House, amen, with that philosophy, Amen. Not willing to work, shouldn't eat. I'm going to vote for him. But not only did Paul give the admonition to be generous with our stuff, but also with our support. Verse 15, he says, weep with those who are weeping. So according to the Apostle Paul, we should be generous with our support of others. So when one of our Christian brothers or sisters begins to suffer, when one is struggling or experiencing loss, we should be there for them, offering a shoulder to cry on and holding out a helping hand. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 8 says, Sympathize with one another. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. So here's a good place for me to, to stop for just a moment and put a plug in for our care ministry. Let me suggest today, let me encourage you, if you are a care minister or if you are in a care ministry group, when somebody in your group is suffering, maybe they lost their job, maybe they uh, had a family member pass away, uh, maybe they have become uh, seriously ill, Uh, it could be a child is rebelling, it could be their spouse has, has left, whatever the cause, they are hurting. And this is the time when the care ministry can shine. And may I tell you that I love our care ministry. 
May I tell you that, that I also believe uh, that much of the success of our church uh, and much of the growth and much of the, uh, of the retention of the people, I believe it is also can be attributed to the, to, to the care ministry where caring people are caring for people. And so may I admonish you today, if you're a part of the care ministry, whether you are a care minister or you are in a care ministry group, when somebody is hurting, when someone is struggling, when someone in your group is going through a difficult time, it's a good time for you to love on that person. It's a good time for you to let that person know that you are praying for them. It'd be a good time for you to bring them a meal. Be a good time for you to send them a card that says, I'm thinking about you and I'm sorry for your loss or I'm sorry you're struggling. And I, I want you to know that I'm standing with you and I want you to know that I'm praying for you. Maybe it'd be a good time to offer to watch their children if they have small children for a night and give them a night, uh, a night out or something. I, oh, oh, just to help in some tangible way and most of all, just to be there for them, to offer your support. Realizing and recognizing that we are caring people, caring for people. So we are admonished in Romans to be generous, to be generous with our stuff and to be generous with our support. But not only does Paul admonish us to be genuine, not only does he admonish us to be generous, but he also admonishes us to be gracious. Be gracious. Now the word gracious means courteous. It means kind. It means pleasant. In verse 10, Paul says, love each other with genuine affection. And he says, take delight in honoring one another. And in verse number 13, he says, always be eager to practice hospitality. And then in verse 16, it says, live in harmony with each other. And yet, far too often, we see a lack of graciousness in the church. May I tell you that it grieves my heart as a pastor. And I've been around for 43 years, and it grieves my heart, and I've seen it over and over and over. The lack of graciousness in the people of God. Too many people are hard and harsh and rude. Unkind and judgmental with their brothers and their sisters in Christ. They're quick to call for judgment on their brother. Hang them high! They're quick to call for judgment on their brother's faults. And yet they cry, the, they cry the loudest for mercy and grace for their own. Jesus said they're quick to point out the tiny speck in somebody else's eye, even though they've got a boulder coming out of their own. Sometimes when people criticize people in the church, I want to say, really? Really? You want to say that about them? You want to pick on their speck? Let me talk about your boulder, man. Really? Let me suggest two things a gracious saint will do. First of all, a gracious saint will rejoice in the success of others. Rejoice in the success of others. Verse 10, take delight in honoring each other. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy. 
But here's what I've come to realize. Most saints are pretty good at weeping with the weepers. They're more than willing to share in your losses. Because somehow when you're losing, it somehow makes them feel like they're doing better. They're more than willing to share in your losses. They'll get down and wallow with you. And yet very few can genuinely rejoice with you in your time of prosperity. And especially if you are prospering and your prosperity places you ahead of them in the rat race. Let me just be transparent with you this morning. If something bad were to happen to me in my ministry here, there's a host of pastors, host of pastor friends I could call for sympathy. And I would get it. But you just let us have a record-breaking number. Just let us have a record-breaking miracle offering. Just let something really significant good happen to me as the pastor. Let me tell you that there's only a handful of pastor friends that I could share it with, that I know would genuinely be happy for me and would genuinely rejoice with me. I'll never forget, it's been many, many years ago now, I was pastoring a church of about 130. And one day my phone rings and it's a church in another state that averages 330. So three times larger than the church that I was pastoring. Long story short, we eventually became pastors of that church. I was only 33 years old. I wanted to say goodbye to my pastor friends in the district that I was at at the time, and so I went to district council to the the minister's meetings to say goodbye to all my friends because I was leaving the state, and I would also be leaving that district. And I'll never forget walking into the bathroom, the restroom there at the district headquarters. And as I was walking in, I heard my name mentioned. And so I stopped, and I didn't go all the way in, and I just listened. And a couple of pastor friends of mine were talking. And one of them said to the other, I said, did you know Mike Benson moving to so-and-so? Yeah, I heard that. Did you know their church runs, you know, 300, 350? Yeah, I heard that. Did did you hear there was over 100, about 100 applications to become pastor of that? Yeah, I, I I heard that. Do you understand? He didn't call them. They called him. Yeah, I heard that. Why would they call Mike Benson? Why would they overlook a hundred other pastors? And, and they just talk, you know, like, like, you know. Why? Why him? Why him? After we became pastors of that church, one of my pastor friends at the time, at least I thought he was my friend, after I was elected to this bigger church, he started treating me differently. He started avoiding me, being cold to me, being rude to me, treating me bad, and I called him out on it. I I went to see him one day, and I just went to see him and looked him right in the eye and said, what's going on here, man? 
Oh, you got that big church now. You ain't got time for us little guys. I said, who's removing themselves from who? Later, I discovered that he wanted that church, and they had overlooked him and called me. He was jealous. Here's what I've discovered over the years. That, uh, oh, if you're down and out, you'll find somebody to get down there with you, man. They'll get down there with you. They'll wallow with you. They'll sympathize with you. Amen. They're there for you when you're walking through the valley. They're there for you when you're walking through the difficult times of your life. But when you begin to prosper, when you begin to get blessed, and especially if you're prospering above where they are, amen, it's very difficult, very hard. But here's what we need to understand this morning, and that is God will not prosper us until we are willing to genuinely accept and be happy for somebody else who is prospering. Somebody who is prospering even when we are struggling. But not only did Paul admonish us to rejoice in the success of others, but also he admonished us to refuse arrogance. Verse 16, he said, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And then he said, don't think you know it all. I love that. Call me a straight shooter. I'm reading right from the book. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Have you ever met anyone who acted like they were better than you? They're just too important to spend time with you. Have you ever met anyone that was, man, they were super charismatic on stage, man. Ah, they could connect with the audience on stage. And yet once they got off the stage, they wouldn't give you the time of day. Have you ever met anybody that act like they knew everything? Don't look around. Don't nudge your neighbor. <laughs> Ever met anybody who thought they were an expert on everything? Paul writes here, don't think that you know it all. Let me tell you that this is one reason why I am only dogmatic on one doctrine. I'm only dogmatic on one doctrine. The doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. Are there other important doctrines? Absolutely. And I promote other doctrines. But the only doctrine that I am absolutely dogmatic on is the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. See, I have learned over the years that certain teaching and preaching I have heard and even done is based more on culture And personal convictions than actual scripture. I started pastoring at 17, so guess what I preached? What I heard. I preached what I heard for 17 years. That's what I preached. But then I started reading the book for myself, getting my own sermons, and find out that everything I heard preached, I couldn't find it in here. Now, some of you young people, they won't even understand this, but I couldn't find where the Bible says if a woman wears a pair of slacks, she's going straight to hell. But I remember hearing them preach that. (laughs) I couldn't find it in the Bible here where the Bible says that if you go to the den of iniquity, the movie theater, thou shalt go to hell. 
And then find out later that the pastor watched the movie, but he didn't watch it in the theater. He watched it at home after. So I guess that building was the den of a nickel. I don't know. I have learned over the years that certain things, certain teaching and preaching I've, I've heard is based more on culture and personal conviction than actual scripture. And I've learned that people tend to rely on what they continually hear, and then what they continually hear, then they begin to embrace as fact. And if the preacher said it, it's got to be fact. Well, it's not always fact. I don't preach a lot of things I used to preach. I don't believe a lot of things I used to think I believed. Because I started reading the book. But some believe what they constantly hear and what grandma told them and what they grew up on. And they embrace what they heard and what they were taught as fact even more, even more than what Scripture actually says. Jesus said in Mark chapter 7 and verse 9, he says, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. Did you know Jesus was constantly criticized? Did you know that the religious leaders of Jesus' day claimed that he broke God's laws? But Jesus never broke his father's law. Jesus never broke his father's law, but he did step on a lot of the people's traditions. Because what would happen, and that happens today, and that is the people would take God's law and then they'd add their two cents. They'd put their twist and their turn on it and they would put their additions and their subtractions. And the people that heard, they didn't just hear, they didn't hear the true pure law, but they heard the religious leaders teaching and preaching uh, what they wanted the people to hear and how they wanted the people to act. And the additions that were put to it. And so they thought because that the priest told them this, they thought, well, it's got to be true because he told us this. But in actuality, it wasn't what God said. And when Jesus came along, Jesus said, he spoke for God. And he said what God said. And because he said what God said and not what the people said, he stepped on a lot of toes. We need to check our facts before we criticize our brothers and sisters and judge them for their actions. We need to ask ourselves first, what does the Bible say about this? We need to ask ourselves, are we judging Uh, Fellow saints according to scripture or according to our own personal conviction. Our own personal bias that has come to us because of our culture or our upbringing. Or the teachings of man that are not based on scripture. Or they are based on a misunderstanding of scripture. Or based on scripture that is taken out of context. Oh, I need an hour here. Paul said, don't, don't think that you know it all. Refuse arrogance. Don't set yourself up as the all-supreme judge. I'll just tell you, if you do, Jesus said, the way, you are ju- the way you judge is the way you will be judged. So if you want to be judged harshly, judge harshly. If you want to be judged with grace, be graceful, be graceful in your judging. Wow, that's good. 
Hey, here's a good scripture, and i got to hurry. But Proverbs 27 and 2 says, let somebody else praise you and not your own mouth. All right, notice Paul's last piece of ad- admonition in, in our scripture. i got to hurry real quick this morning. Number, number four, be gentle. Nobody likes to be hurt. Nobody likes to be lied about. Nobody likes to be slandered or done wrong. Nobody likes to be cheated. Nobody likes to be laughed at. It's only natural to want to respond by lashing out and, and pursuing revenge. And frankly, few would criticize you if you did. But Paul warns us, don't do it. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't seek revenge. Instead, be gentle. Practice patience. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God would bless them. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Somebody said two wrongs don't make a right. Verse 19, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Not only should we practice patience, but we should also practice persistence. See, it's one thing to be gentle and practice patience temporarily. It's quite another to continue practicing patience while waiting on God to judge those that have wronged us. And we watch as they seemingly continue to get by with it and continually seem to continue to prosper and seem to be getting by with hurting us. Their life seems to go on without a hitch, without any change, while we have been devastated by the actions they have done toward us. But Paul says in verse number 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Practice persistence. Keep doing the right things even when others are doing the wrong things. Keep treating people good even when they are treating you bad. And and here's what you need to understand this morning. You need to understand this, and that is you don't really know what is going on in a person's life. Because people become great actors. You know, a minister falls and we think, you know, he just fell last week. No. No, he'd been acting for a long time. People become great actors. They know how to put on a show. You need to understand everything is not as it appears on the surface. Second thing you need to understand is that is God has their number. God has their number. The Bible says that we reap what we sow. And they might get by with something for a while, but paybacks are coming. And the third thing you need to understand is that God is using this situation to develop you and to get you ready and equipped for the next season of your life. Paul's four admonitions in this passage of Scripture. Be genuine. Be generous. Be gracious. And be gentle. The takeaway for today, and that is, anyone can talk the talk. Anyone can talk the talk. The proof of Christianity is when you walk the walk. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord that you have given to me today to share with this people. God, I just pray today, Father, that you will take this word this morning. Lord, this this teaching, this admonition from the Apostle Paul. God, I pray that you will take this word today 
And may it do the work that needs to be done in the heart and the life of your people today. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.